Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of BrainX Talks. I am Ashish Khanna along with your co-host Alok Kothari. Hello. I come to you from Cleveland, Ohio. We hope to make this a podcast about conversations with leading figures and their work at the crossroads of machine learning and healthcare. Let me introduce myself quickly. I have spent more than 10 years in the field of machine learning doing research and development all over the world. And I'm hoping to use my background in machine learning to engage our podcast guests in interesting conversations. Ashish. Thanks, Alok. And as you all know, uh, I don't live in Cleveland. So right outside my window is uh, it's almost springtime here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So we are definitely slightly warmer and sunnier. I am an intensivist and anesthesiologist, uh, and I spend most of my time in research, education, and innovation centered on perioperative and critical care outcomes and outcomes research. I'm also one of the founding members of the BrainX group. And today, I am delighted to welcome Lama Nazir. Lama is joining us all the way from Jordan. Welcome, Lama, and thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Ashish. Let me tell you all a little bit about Lama. So Lama is a critical care clinical pharmacy specialist and head of pharmacy research and staff development at the King Hussein Cancer Center in Amman, Jordan. She received her bachelor in pharmacy from the University of Jordan and her doctor of pharmacy degree from Campbell University in North Carolina. Wow, you have a North Carolina connection, great. Lama also completed a residency in internal medicine at Oklahoma University and is board certified in pharmacotherapy and as a pharmacotherapy specialist. She has over 20 years of experience at various institutions within the US and in Jordan. Lama is actively involved with various local and international societies including working with various communities for the Society of Critical Care Medicine and serving as the vice president and president of the Middle East Critical Care Association. She's a clinician, a researcher, an educator. She has a passion for capacity building, and her areas of research interest include antimicrobial therapy, multidrug-resistant pathogens, and sepsis, with a specific interest in the critically ill oncology population, and and certainly we know that the critically ill cancer patients are a very important and often, you know, under-researched and under-talked about population. So, Lama, thank you again. We're so happy to have you uh, with us today, and and we're so happy to talk about the entire spectrum of, you know, big data, AI, your work in the field within the U.S. and in Jordan, and how all of that uh, sort of interconnects. Alok, it's all yours. Yes. Thank you. So, Lama, I wanted to first try to understand the field that you work in for our non-medical audience. So, would you be able to help us understand what is the field of critical care pharmacy? Why is it important? And maybe a little bit about your personal journey. How did you end up doing what you're doing? Okay. Well, thank you very much for the intro and uh, thank you for inviting me to this to this uh, talk. As far as uh, critical care pharmacy, maybe I would start with just kind of describing pharmacy in a clinical setting and what the role of the pharmacist would be and what they can contribute. And then I'll add the critical care part to it. In a clinical setting, the pharmacist can really contribute uh, significantly to optimizing the management of, of patients as far as the therapeutic management 
for those patients and ensuring that they receive the, the appropriate medication, the appropriate dosing. They address the drug-drug interactions, the drug-food interactions, and a lot of aspects related to a drug therapy, ensuring that they get the most effectiveness of therapy that they receive and also ensuring that it's the safe therapy for those patients. Now, if we add that to that part, the critical part element, it becomes even more important because with the critical care uh, patients, we are dealing with very, very sick patients. These are patients that where a large part of their management is through drug therapy. So certainly making sure that we are optimizing their drug therapy would help improve their outcomes. And those patients are constantly, their condition is constantly changing. And for many of those patients, it's about probably on an hourly basis that you see their condition changing. And what the clinical pharmacist's role would be in that area and a large part of what I do is ensuring that the drug therapy for those patients is aligned with all these dynamic changes that those patients go through. The patient comes in, for example, with sepsis, and you start them on antibiotics, and then a few hours later, their kidneys shut down. So you need to make sure that, you know, your medications meet are tailored to that renal failure that you've come across. A few hours later, that patient may be on mechanical ventilation. A few hours later, something else develops, and that patient may develop an adverse drug uh, reaction, for example. A, a few hours later, you may change the goals of therapy for that patient. So it's making sure that as the patients, as these very sick patients' conditions change, that you are ensuring that that therapeutic management is also aligned with those changes and also aligned with the goals of treatment and the, the care of that patient. And there have been actually several studies that have been published showing that the, that the clinical pharmacist can improve the outcomes of, pa of those patients, of the critically ill patients, because of the reasons that I mentioned. How did you end up doing what you're doing? What is your personal journey? Yeah, that's the kind of an interesting question to, you know, after all these years to look back and say, you know, how did I end up where I am? I would say my personal journey started maybe when I was in pharmacy school, probably not the first few years, because I don't think I had a clear idea at the beginning in terms of which career path I wanted to take and what exactly I wanted to do. But I would say maybe the last two years is where I started exploring more of the career paths for pharmacists and, and to kind of try to understand where I see myself and where my passion is. And that's where I started looking at kind of the pharmacy practice in a clinical setting and what pharmacists can bring bring into such a setting. There's so much that we learn in pharmacy school and so much that we learn throughout our life about all these medications that I just truly felt that there is so much that the pharmacist can do to optimize drug therapy for patients. And that's where I decided once I finished my bachelor degree in pharmacy uh, from the University of Jordan, and at the time that I graduated, none of the schools offered PharmD programs. So I went to North Carolina, and that's Ashish where North Carolina came in. And I did my PharmD there, and I followed that with a residency. And from there, I kind of moved in the path of a clinical practice and, and got more involved with critical care, which is truly where, the, where I see 
the great value of pharmacists and, and how much they can impact the patient care. I would say that maybe along the path, I did work in pharma for a couple of years and I was in the medical affairs department with Amgen uh, for, for about two years and I loved it. I really enjoyed working there, but there was a part of me that just said, I'm just missing that clinical practice. I miss that, that patient care and I miss being in the clinical setting. And I just kind of took a U-turn and went back into clinical practice. So that's kind of where my passion has been and where my interest has been throughout the years. Oh, that's a great story, Lama. And and I guess a fascinating part about that story is how it transcends across different parts of the world. And we'll get into some of these variations in practice you've seen in the US and, and your part of the world. But but first of all, you know, I want to know where sort of love for big data started. We all know practicing critical care, we see a lot of big data around us all the time. But for Lama, where did it all start? And, and then how have you sort of built up your interests in, in big data and artificial intelligence and, and contributions in this area? That's, that's another tough question, <laughs> I guess. It's all about tough questions today. <laughs> I, I really don't know how I got into it exactly. I mean, to say, well, you know, this is the day that I said I wanted to go into big data. This is the day that I actually had that interest, or maybe this is the incidents that happened. I think it was kind of a gradual process. And then all of a sudden, I just saw myself in this bubble of big data and AI. I think part of it is probably related to the research that I do and the research that many of us do and kind of reflecting on the limitations of of the kind of the traditional research uh, that you usually have uh, relatively uh, limited sample size. And then there's always the question about generalizability of the data and looking at the kind of thinking about the, the clinical implications and the conclusions that one can draw from such data. So maybe the, you know, the interest in having bigger data is kind of one of the triggering aspects of it. But then the other part is, as you mentioned, Ashish, in the critical care setting, we deal with so much data for our patients and data comes and data goes. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, taking a step back and saying, well, there's probably something that I can make out of this data. And there's something, maybe there are certain decisions that we can make based on all this data that we're collecting from those patients. And this is kind of where I think things gradually built up. And it came at the same time where, you know, over the past years, we've seen also this great interest in healthcare, big data and AI. So it just kind of came uh, at the same time that all this this interest was within the community, within the literature and uh, within even conferences that we attend. Speaking of a lot of data coming in and going out of critical care and you getting exposed to it and developing your interest, I was wondering what are some of the challenges of handling this kind of big data in, in critical care and especially in the part of the world you are in right now? 
Yeah, I would say that maybe the most challenging part is, I would say maybe there are two parts to it. Uh, the first part is getting the right people that can help in analyzing that data, whether it's dealing with the big data or even in terms of developing prediction models and working with machine learning and AI. So that's one part of it is is having the, the resources that are necessary, whether it's the human resources or even kind of other general resources that are necessary from IT support and you know some of the other resources but then the the other part is uh, being able to extract that that data and being able to work with it I would say there is we are still having difficulties as far as being able to extract that data we have all of our patients data ele- available electronically and we have you know everything is pretty much in our electronic system but how do we extract that data has been the difficult part of trying to kind of get more out of what we have and uh, being able to to work with that data. So Lama, you know, these challenges remain, right? And and I guess, you know, a recurring theme that we've had in, in BrainX Talks is the challenges of trying to do more with the available data we have, you know, whether in the United States or other parts of the world. Let me sort of go to a slightly different paradigm of your experience now and talk about your work with with the Society of Critical Care Medicine. In fact, you know, for our listeners, that is where I first met Lama was with our work together at the SCCM. And, And I have to tell our listeners that I was super impressed because, you know, she would always be there for every single meeting, making the trip from Jordan and now that we are virtual, she's still there, even though the, the time zones for these meetings are, are perfectly in alignment with times here in the U.S. And sometimes it's it's about midnight her time, but she's still very much there. And I, and I really appreciate, Lama, your commitment with the Society of Critical Care Medicine and what you've done so far. I know that you're working very hard with the SCCM. You've done some data thons. Uh, you're organizing research in AI and, and big data opportunities within that group. Can you tell us a little bit more and our listeners about your work with the SCCM and big data and machine learning opportunities within that group? I've been with the SCCM for, I would say, more than 20 years. I don't count them anymore, but it's easy more than 20 years. And there's something unique about the SCCM, and I don't know how to describe it, but I think it's more kind of you feel that you belong to that big critical care family. And what's unique about the SCCM is it's very multidisciplinary, welcoming everyone that is within that critical care community and everybody coming in with the same goals of improving quality of care for our patients. It's multidisciplinary at pretty much all levels, whether it's leadership, whether it's the programs that that are conducted, the speakers that present, whether it's the events that that are that that they have the committee representation. So it's a very unique society in that part. And I really enjoyed being part of that society. I started as a very junior person with the SCCM and uh, they had a mentorship program, a mentor-mentee program that the pharmacy group was actually doing through the SCCM. And I, I joined that program and I was connected with a mentor. And I would say 
that's kind of, you know, I grew through the Society of, of Critical Care Medicine. I, I, I'm very much involved with a lot of their committees. And again, it's a very nice welcoming environment. You feel that you are part of the group that's making decisions to improve the practice of critical care and also to move the society forward. So that's kind of, that's, I really, again, I'm I'm very connected with the SCCM for a lot of different reasons. When it comes to the, I would say the the data science part of it, I was also involved with that to a, to a great extent. And the first one was, I would say, with the task force that was formed about a couple of years ago, the data science task force that was primarily looking at how more data science topics can be included or incorporated within the Congress program. So that was one of the main tasks that we were working on. But then the other part was the datathon that was that was held about a year ago. So not this last Congress, the Congress before that. And that was very eye-opening to me. The Datathon is probably one of the best workshops that I've attended. And it really helped me kind of get a different perspective to data science and and machine learning because of the environment that it creates. Uh, It's one of those unique settings where you're there on the table with clinicians from different places with different backgrounds. And then you're also there with the data scientists and trying to come up with, with solutions for certain questions that everybody has. And it's, it's a very nice experience as far as the process and how, how you go about uh, developing your model or trying to answer the questions that you have using big data. So, so that was kind of one of the, the unique things that, that I got involved with. There's also the, the keg that the SCCM had recently started or the knowledge education group for data science um, and machine learning. And that's another very nice group that I also participated in and, and also has great mission and vision as far as advancing AI and critical care, and also in terms of helping move, kind of advance the skills of, of people and bringing people with those kind of interests together. So Lama, you know, the SCCM, you know, clearly has that vision and that policy and and is pushing really hard for people like yourself and others to come together and work in a collaborative fashion. Where does the, again, sort of coming back to what Alok said previously, where does the critical care pharmacist bring in his or her expertise to AI and big data? And you know, given the opportunity, Lama, what would be sort of your dream project with AI and big data? If you had all the resources that that you needed, you had every possible opportunity with the SCCM, what is that one thing that Lama really wants to do uh, specific to the area of critical care pharmacy and, and, and big data and AI? Oh, wow. So I, I, I got the chance to dream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, if if I were to think about kind of from the aspect of critical care pharmacy and ultimately improving patient care, because that's eventually whatever research we're doing, whatever big data, whatever machine learning we're, we're working on, it's about improving the quality of care that we provide to our patients. My dream is to actually be able to make better decisions for our critical care patients. A lot of what we do is actually we try to predict what 
what may happen to the patient or we try to predict what that patient may have or how that patient may respond to a certain treatment based on what variables we have at that point and based on our clinical assessment, it would be nice to kind of add the AI component to it to help us in making better decisions so that we are able to make better predictions and better decisions for our patients and again, ultimately provide better care for them. So I wanted to understand once again from a more non-medical point of view, the kind of decisions that are critical that can be made with the data we have and, you know, just a little bit more into actual examples you have seen where this can be very important, like the predictions could be really important in saving someone's life. Maybe I'll share with you kind of one of the projects that we're going to get started with and that will just kind of uh, highlight some of the vision I have down the line. So I work in a primarily cancer center. We deal primarily with cancer patients. And within my ICU, patients that are admitted get admitted for various types of reasons, whether it's cancer-related or non-cancer-related. But one of the uh, reasons patients get admitted to the ICU could be related to their chemotherapy. So for example, that patient takes gets chemotherapy, they just become extremely neutropenic, develop sepsis, and present to the ICU, or that patient develops uh, severe um, hemorrhage due to chemotherapy and presents to the ICU. Uh, So these things uh, come into our ICU, and we don't know ahead of time prior to starting chemotherapy that that patient may develop such serious complications. What we're going to be looking at with the project that we're, we're, we'll be working on, and it's it's really about kind of developing the big data for this for this kind of vision, is to be able to predict having certain elements that can help us predict ahead of time before that patient starts chemotherapy that that patient has a very high likelihood of developing a serious adverse event during due to this chemotherapy, and then I would weigh things differently in terms of whether that patient definitely should be getting chemotherapy because it improves their outcome, or maybe it could improve their outcome, but the risk outweighs the benefit. And so we're going to be proactively collecting data regarding adverse events related to chemotherapy and collecting a lot of patient characteristics, demographics, laboratory results that the chemotherapy-related data also as far as what type of chemotherapy they've received and and what underlying comorbidities they have, and using all these variables to help us predict whether this patient may develop an adverse event where once they receive their chemotherapy or, or not. So this is kind of where I see things, being able to have, again, uh, better prediction models that can help us better decide, make better decisions for our patients. Very interesting. You know, you're in the critical care space and you talked about cancer and chemotherapy and the stakes are pretty high in terms of life or death. How can we work so that we trust the models more to predict the right thing? Yeah, that's that's a pretty good question. And I think that's the tricky part about treating the critically ill cancer patients is that they don't necessarily follow exactly what you would expect 
for a non-cancer critically ill patient. And so one of the projects that we did, and we presented that last last month uh, at the SCCM Congress, was actually looking at the predictive performance of Apache 4 in critically ill patients with sepsis and no cancer versus sepsis and cancer. And it was very clear that the performance of the Apache 4 was much lower in the cancer patients compared to the non-cancer patients. So in terms of predicting what the outcomes would be for those patients, it's it's not similar to what you would predict for the non-cancer patients. So what we're doing now is we're actually taking that a step further. And this is part of one of the projects that I'm working on, is trying to develop a predictive model for the critically ill cancer patients uh, to help us predict mortality and outcomes in those patients. And something that's similar to kind of the Apache 4 or the Apache 2, where you uh, utilize data from day one to help you better understand what the patient outcomes would be and ultimately help you with decision making. Interesting. And I was wondering, what can a machine learning scientist uh, do to help you? And what are your ideal collaborators? I would say the the ideal collaborators would be, I mean, certainly someone who, who is, is good in data science. And that's you know, the, the initial part. But then understanding part of how data science in, in healthcare or in critical care is conducted. You know, it's the, there are, I would say, for example, I've worked with a lot of data scientists w- without the prior experience in developing machine learning models for for whether it's critical care or healthcare in general, the general fundamentals are the same, whether it's healthcare or non-healthcare, but there is an aspect that that is definitely needed. And someone who has that kind of experience will certainly add more to the project. I see. And with that, I was just wondering what your vision is, where this is all going, AI and big data in influencing critical care pharmacy in the next 10 years. I don't think it's yet fully, fully developed in critical care pharmacy, but within the next 10 years or 10 plus years, I would say it's going more into what I mentioned earlier as far as being able to make better decisions about what's the optimal drug therapy for our patients and to be able to make those decisions up front. For example, you know, I could give a patient vancomycin and they do fine. I could give another patient vancomycin and they go into, into a renal failure. Well, can I be a, could I predict that ahead of time? So maybe I could change my management or make, maybe I can modify it. I mean, not necessarily that I need to change it because if that's what the patient needs and that's what the patient needs, maybe I can kind of adjust that and kind of be able to predict things and, and make uh, more informative decisions. Well, this is great, Lama. I, I, as I listened to all of this, I had truly had visions of putting in orders in the EMR and and the EMR really talking to me and telling me how my patient's going to do, whether it be chemotherapy or or antibiotics that we use in sepsis and so on and and so forth. I I think the opportunities are endless. And I congratulate you for some of these visions that you have and some of the really uh, great projects you're initiating, especially impressed with the one with, with cancer chemotherapy and obviously, the outcomes you look at in cancer patients is is also really interesting. You know, I'm, I'm, and I'm hoping it's not just mortality is the only outcome, but quality of life is also one of those very important outcomes, often ignored outcome, but we really uh, need to focus on that. 
Exactly. Well, I completely agree. You know, you, you just look at the mortality and do forget about the other aspects of care. Great. Well, thank you, Lama, and 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 thank you, everyone. And you know, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Alok, do you have any final comments? No, I just want to thank uh, Lama for her time, and I learned a few things about critical care today, so I'm very happy about that. Yeah, Alok, if he uh, stays with Brainnext Talks long enough, is going to turn into a critical care uh, provider himself. So this is the this is an opportunity to educate everyone, I guess. But thank you again. Thank you to all of the listeners. We come to another edition of Brainnext Talks wrapping up right here. For all those interested, please come on over to our LinkedIn page to be a part of our Brainnext community. It costs you nothing and it adds much more to what you learn and what you do with big data analytics. Also look at uh, brainxai.org for more information about the group. We are looking for educators, collaborators, people we can learn from and people who can learn from us. We would love to hear from you. So until next time, stay safe, everyone. Take care of yourself and we'll be back soon. Mm -hmm.